With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. So does it take two and a half months to get a consistent erection or two and a half months until you even feel comfortable engaging in sexual intercourse? No, I would say two and a half months for consistency. Mm. A consistency like I, like I know I can be. It's embarrassing. It's frustrating. It's humiliating. In all of the movies and TV shows where women talk about, hey, does he have a big penis? You know, this standard of what a big penis is. But I know I don't have that. So I am less than not good enough. Ever since I was a kid, I've had kind of man boobs. Like, you know, it's a solid, a solid A cup. And it's always made me very insecure. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I said Lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I said Hello there, lovers and friends. My name is Shambudram, and I am a certified intimacy educator, which basically is a fancy way of saying I'm obsessed with sex, love, relationships, and dating, and I spend my life talking teaching, listening, and learning about the topic. And that's what we do here on this podcast. We analyze trends in the intimacy space and we ask ourselves, could the world do better? And then we ask ourselves, could we do better? And what does that look like? And so without further ado, that's really what this episode is all about. It's asking ourselves some hard questions, both externally and internally about trends or assumptions that are made, specifically when it comes to male sexuality and male sexual body confidence. And the way that I got to this episode, like all episodes, comes with an interesting story. So I reached out to Mike Johnson to be a guest in the podcast. I'm going to be 100% honest. The reason that I wanted Mike as a guest is because, one, he's a male sex coach, so I thought he would have an interesting perspective. But two, and probably more honestly, he's really hot with a really hot voice. And I thought it would be nice for my predominantly straight female audience to get to experience Mike for, you know, 20 plus minutes and some change. So I was like, come on through. And as always, I say to people, you can talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. Now, I am not a fan of The Bachelor, which is where Mike is most known. I've seen a couple seasons of it. Um, I didn't see Mike's season, but here is where I did see Mike. And with this in mind, you might get an idea of what I expected Mike to come with in terms of topics. I was, I made a mistake. I don't like dating in public, but if I were to ask you if we can go on a date in public, now if you didn't catch that, that was the guest on this podcast, Mike Johnson hitting on superstar Kiki Palmer, who I hope will one day be a guest on this podcast, on Kiki's show, which I think is pretty damn bold. And so I was expecting a pretty damn bold and confident topic from Mike. And the truth is I did get exactly that, just not in the direction that I was anticipating. So when I asked Mike, what do you wanna discuss? Without a beat, he said, I wanna talk about my experience with male performance anxiety. And if you're not familiar, male performance anxiety, essentially, let me actually read it, 
It is typically caused from a person's negative thoughts about their ability to perform well during a sexual activity. A person may be worrying about sexual inadequacy or their inability to please a partner. And as a result of that, they are unable to get or maintain an erection in a sexual setting with someone. Now, male performance anxiety um, might sound very similar to erectile dysfunction to you. And I'm very familiar with erectile dysfunction because of previous campaigns that I've worked on, but here's where they're different. Erectile dysfunction usually is persistent inability to get or maintain an erection, usually due to physical reasons. There's something happening with or in the body that disallows an erection from being possible when the person with a penis wants it to happen. Whereas male performance anxiety, that person, there really is no physical explanation as to why they cannot get or maintain an erection. It is the mental, the stress of the sexual encounter that leads to them not being able to get hard when they want to get hard. Since I've been 18, I'm 34 now. I can't believe I'm saying that. It's happened about three or four different times. And it's only happened when I really am into the woman, which is wild for me to say, because I think when it, for me, I get in my head and I don't want her to feel that I just want her for her body. And I overthink and overcompensate for so many different things. And I just want to love her and love her mind, body, and spirit. And what Mike just said there, which you'll hear him expand on more in our interview, is what I thought this entire episode was going to be about, point blank period. We were going to talk about male performance anxiety, which I think is less commonly discussed um, as erectile dysfunction. But as we do with these episodes, we build. So I thought, who's the next person I should talk to about male performance anxiety in order to make this episode more rounded? And Alex Grendy came to mind, who has already been a guest on this podcast on the episode with Tim DeLaghetto. There is this whole thing where it's like, you're either good at fucking or you're not. No one ever really talks about getting help. You yes. know what I'm saying? I think if anything, you talk to your boys about it. But when you talk to your boys... You're, you're never really like locker room talk is never like, yo, how can I improve myself? It's it's I'm bragging about what I have done. All right. So then it's all ego. Men have no idea what women actually want. There is a huge gap. The barrier is quite simple. I think it's strictly ego and they're thinking, well, if I'm seeking help, that means I'm bad at it. And if I'm bad at it, I'm not a man. And if I'm not a man, then I'm nothing. So Alex was on that episode, but the reason why I thought he was perfect, he truly is perfect for this episode, is because Alex is a sex coach who specializes in male sexual performance issues, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, performance anxiety. And so the episode to me, this episode, really began, like, the creation of it really began after I spoke with Alex and he said this, because this, as simple as it was, was a really big aha for me. Right away when someone says, you know, I only get performance anxiety with partners that I'm really interested in. For me, that's just like a fear of rejection. And the deeper piece of that is like, there's a part of them that they're rejecting of themselves. And that was my light bulb moment because I realized that it never even occurred to me to ask Mike those follow-up questions. 
Is there anything about your body or your perceived sexual performance that causes you to be so anxious that you're unable to get or maintain an erection around someone whose opinion you really care about? And it never occurred to me to ask those questions because I think I naturally assume that majority of men don't have body image issues or don't have deep insecurities around their sexual performance, not in the way that I know many women to be. And that is why Mike's explanation was so easy for me just to accept at face value. You know, Mike was saying, I'm not insecure. I'm insecure that she might be insecure and misinterpret my sexual intentions for her. That isn't a knock against Mike. That truly could be what his truth is. And there's obviously probably a lot of validity in what he was saying. And as both Mike and Alex Champion, a lot of reasons, a lot of various reasons contribute to male performance anxiety. I just think it's fascinating that I never even thought to ask Mike, hey, is there something about you that makes you scared when the lights are on and your clothes are off? Um, and do you want to talk about that? And so I wanted to right that wrong by asking my audience that question, men specifically. Yeah, I definitely feel shame about my body in certain ways. Ever since I was a kid, I've had kind of man boobs. Like, you know, it's a solid, solid A cup. And it's always made me very insecure um, with women and just like taking off the shirt for the first time or even just being out somewhere like swimming, but definitely in a romantic setting. Also just around body hair, tons of insecurities. So yeah, well, this could probably go on. <laughs> well, well, I guess you can call me a little bit like overweight. So usually I would have like the lights turned off until like we've done it a bunch of times or, or a couple more times than usual. Oh, for me, it was really simple. It was just penis size shame. I don't have an eight inch plus penis like all the guys in porn and in all of the movies and TV shows where women talk about, hey, does he have a big penis? But I know I don't have that. So I am less than not good enough, not lovable because of that. And that'll never change. There are often traumas that are left over from previous relationships and those sometimes do affect how I'm feeling. And during the middle of having sex, that just kind of starts a waterfall of downhill emotions sometimes. If I don't feel like I can just safely say I need a break for a second uh, without it coming off as like, I'm not into you or it's something that you're doing that is making me feel turned off. And from an insecurity standpoint, there's still some issues I have with, you know, my body shape and such that I'm not always comfortable with. I think insecurity that does come up, um, I think it's a consistent one with most men, which is orgasming too fast. I am I'm an African man. I'm, I'm a decent height. I'm about six feet tall. And I have... I have a little bit of a butt on me, so having a butt sometimes <laughs> creates some insecurity. Because when I was growing up, that was something a lot of like my aunts or like women pointed out to like my waist to quad ratio is very uneven. I'm not like some big guy. Growing up, like people used to always call me chicken leg, so that's like one super insecurity that I have. I just want to give a brief thank you and shout out to every brave man who just contributed to that montage. It was very difficult to get people to come forward. And those who did come forward did so, so vulnerably and beautifully, and I hope impactfully. And speaking of impact, I wanted to see what other conversations were being had out there in the world around men's insecurities with their bodies and sexual performances and how that was showing up for them in sexual settings. And as you can imagine, 
I was hard pressed to find material. I did find one research paper that was done in 1999, which is hella outdated. But nonetheless, this paper stated that 40% of men struggle with body confidence issues that impacts their sex lives. And I thought that was interesting because if I were to find a similar article for women, that 40% of women struggle with body confidence issues and insecurities on their performance that leads them to having a less than sexual experience, I would totally expect the word only to be in front and the rest of the paper to be a celebration of the impact of the body positivity movement because look, only 40% of women now have this struggle. Whereas the truth that I know today is that 99.9% of women and femmes struggle with this. And I truly believe, and I could be wrong, but I truly believe that 99.9% of people struggle with this. And we need to start accepting and adopting that as our reality. And once we do that, we have to start asking ourselves, how does this impact the way that we show up for ourselves maybe, or for others in sexual spaces. And really and truly, that's what I want you to keep in mind as you listen to the rest of this episode. Okay, we're gonna really get into things after this good word from our sponsor, Better. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Mike Johnson is an Air Force veteran, best known for his appearances on The Bachelorette and The Bachelor in Paradise. If you didn't catch him on those reality shows, you probably have caught his work He is an executive producer. He is an author of a book called Making the Love That You Want. He's a certified sex coach, and I was a guest on their podcast, and I'm thrilled to have him as a guest on mine. Let's talk about performance anxiety. Let's Let's talk talk about about you you and and me. Oh, her. That makes more sense. I guess we haven't had an experience together. Yeah, I can't say that. I'm being (laughs) on you and her. (laughs) You and me and the discussion we're going to have about performance anxiety. Easy, easy. This is actually interesting, Mike, because something happened last week in which I thought of you too late because I desperately needed to find a male sex coach. And you are a male sex coach. I am. Well, the reason why I brought that up is because the person I ended up finding was this guy who was a male sex coach who uh, specialized in performance anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, I think people have a certain archetype of what that person looks like. Exactly. There's definitely an archetype of what we envision in our head when we say, oh, male, performance anxiety. You know, the person could be in shape. The person could be good looking individual, someone that can get women, uh, someone that or get whoever they desire, someone that is attracted to you, um, but there just may not be a connection. Well, speaking of connection, can you define what male performance anxiety is and then talk about your connection to it? A big distinction between performance anxiety and erectile dysfunction first, before I get directly into the performance anxiety part, is that erectile dysfunction is having persistent uh, issue with getting an erection for a minimum of six months. Performance anxiety deals with more of the, the brain and just our mental and how we are in that situation. It's happened to me about three or four times since I've been, let's say, 18 years old. But the effect is both times uh, yes, inability the to get is, correct. 
an erection. An erection. Yes. As the definition says, an erection hard enough to have intercourse, right? And since I've been 18, I'm 34 now. I can't believe I'm saying that. It's happened about three or four different times. And it's only happened when I really am into the woman, which is wild for me to say because I think when it, for me, I get in my head and I don't want her to feel that I just want her for her body. And I overthink and overcompensate for so many different things. And I just want to love her and love her mind, body, and spirit. I have male friends that have had performance anxiety for other reasons. And I want to make sure I, I convey that as well. Like performance anxiety isn't the same for every single man. It's not always because I really care about this woman. Sometimes it can be a multitude of things. Like I'm not attracted to her conversation. I'm attracted to her physically, but the, the, the mentally, we're just not there. And so, and then there's other reasons as well that it happens. But for me, when I'm really into a woman, it just doesn't work. And it takes a while. And I'm talking about a while as in like up to two and a half months after we've tried for, before I can get extremely comfortable. And I want her to know that I, I'm fully invested into her and not just her body. So does it take two and a half months to get a consistent erection or two and a half months until you even feel comfortable engaging in sexual intercourse? No, I would say two and a half months for consistency. Mm. Uh, consistency like I like I know I can be. It's embarrassing. It's frustrating. It's humiliating. Uh, when I'm with the woman that I care about, when I'm, it only happens when I really care about the woman. So that's the crazy thing. Like if it's just, if I'm in Vegas and I had a one night stand, I'm Superman, which is weird. Um, and it's it's wild because there's so many things you there's so many factors to it. The first factor is like I got to console the woman that I'm with, which <laughs> I would like to be consoled in that situation, right? I got to console her, let her know, hey, it's not you. I promise you, your boy wants you. You know, not you whatsoever. But then I have to. There's just so much self talk that goes into it, right? And especially someone that is in this field, right? There's so much conversation that goes on. They say Dr. Ruth said. <laughs> the best six inches on a man is the one between his ears. And so that's so true when it comes to performance anxiety. 80% of erectile dysfunction is physiological. Mm -hmm. It sounds like 80% of performance anxiety is mental. And so for you, have you been to a doctor before and you're clear that you don't yeah, have physiological went, issues? I, the very first time that it happened, I went to a doctor immediately. And it was it, I went to a urologist he checked me. I was good. He says, and it pissed me off. Then <laughs> he said, "Looks like your mom just instilled good morals into you," which I interpret that as it's one hundred percent a mental thing for me. And so, when I really do like a woman, I just want her to know that I like her for her. I've definitely had partners before who have had either ED or performance anxiety, um, wherein erection was impossible during the time. But can you set the scene for me of like? What happens before, what happens, what's going through your mind when it's happening, and then what do you have to do after? I'll let her know up front. I'll say something like, hey, uh, this is, I'm, I'm nervous to say this, uh, but I want to let you know because I want you to know that this is something within me and myself and not you whatsoever. There's a chance that I may not get an erection, and it's solely because I'm overthinking it because I like you so much. And then we'll go from there. 99.9% .9 of the time, she'll dismiss that and still think it's her fault. Interesting. Yeah. Explain that. It depends on if she's experienced that in the past with someone else or if she hasn't. And if she 
hasn't, she definitely has to have a lot of self-love to know that, hey, this guy really likes me and cares about me. Does it become a self-fulfilling prophecy sometimes where you think it's going to happen? Have you noticed a correlation between times you think it will happen and the time it actually does? That's that happens every single time that it's happened. That's it's because of that. After the first time, I'll think about it. I'm like, wow, I really like this woman. I see potential with her, and I get scared. If we go on, a, if we go hang out at 10 a.m. by around 5 p.m., 4 p.m., I'm ter- I'm petrified in my brain, petrified because of me, because of I won't be able to perform, because I'm thinking she won't like me no more, and that is a terrible feeling. But I just have to get over that. I mean, my last partner that it happened with, she was perfectly fine because she still got her orgasm. So she was happy no matter what. She was like, I'm good, Mike. But then it becomes like a a, a male thing, like just me, a macho thing, a, a male dominance thing. Like, well, I didn't give you the, the full Monty type of issue. And that's the, the part that I have had to work through on my own. And how do you work on that? Because yeah. ED, of course, that is a sexual dysfunction, is very treatable. Correct. No, the way I treat performance anxiety for myself and for others is it's a conversation that you have with yourself. It's the words that you tell yourself. It's the the words and the, the conversation you have with your partner. Hey, this is a possibility. This could happen. It's the in the moment, make sure you're breathing, being present in the moment, not thinking about she won't like me, not thinking nothing negative whatsoever. So you have to be strong enough to say, this is what's going on in this present moment. I don't care. I'm blessed with other skills to please and to be pleased. And doing those things over and over again, having that positive self-talk absolutely helps out. And then your partner can help you as well. Mm-hmm. If your partner, if my girl is like, it's okay, you know, you you could do it better tonight or in the morning. That's not, that's not positive. That's not going to help me at all. She's thinking she's saying something positive. But when she's like, to be honest, but I just want to be here with you and you got me off anyway, that makes me feel better. That makes me feel good. I'm like, you damn right I did. And what about if they still engage with the dick, even if it's not erect? Because you can still receive pleasure. Yes. You can still enjoy the experience. I mean, mind you, there's other erogenous zones, but you don't have to act like the penis doesn't exist if it's not erect. Me personally, I don't want your lips on my dick if I know it ain't going to get hard. You do not. No. It's like, after I nutted already, don't... Hey, you could do a little bit, but after that, I'm gonna want to, I'm gonna want to have intercourse, and it ain't happening. So I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get annoyed. <laughs> Just like, give me a massage or something. Don't be. Eh. I rather pleasure my woman completely, have so much fun doing it, than her, you know, giving me head. Because if I'm not hard, now if I'm hard, give me head all day, baby. I love that too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So what other body parts do you want engaged with, or how do you instruct your if, partner if, to please you too? Because a part of the dance too is like. You enjoy pleasing your partner regardless, right? So your partner also wants the satisfaction of knowing that they've made you feel good. She she can play with my balls. I'm, I, we, hey, we're fans of that. She can play she she can play with my ears, my nipples, my neck, collarbone, or if she's kissing on my neck, behind my ears, on my chest. I love that too. I like how you're mentally going there as we're talking about it. I see you in a yeah, distant I'm, land right now. Yeah, I'm going through all <laughs> It feels good. I've lost you here. That's okay. I've lost you to a better cause. <laughs> I really was. Though. Like, I, I really was envisioning all of it. I love that. Do you think you would be as good and as versatile in the bedroom without performance anxiety? 
No, I think that uh, that's a beautiful question. I've never been asked that, nor have I asked myself that. Um, the last one I was with that I had performance anxiety, when I was good to go and through that part, she kind of got sad. <laughs> she was like, well, does this mean you don't like me no more? <laughs> like, no, nah, baby, I'm just good now. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I really do like you. You know, we just, we, we got past it. Um, but I think that the performance anxiety and the way I grew up and what I've learned has all made me a decent lover to my woman. What is the ideal thing to say to a person who is not getting erect in the moment and is noticeably frustrated about it? I would say genuine, keyword, bold, text, highlight it, underline it. Genuine because we can pick up on bullshit, right? Be genuine in how you respond. And your response should simply be, you know, to be honest, I just want to be around you. I just want to be with you. Huge thank you to Mike Johnson for coming through with the boldest and most confident topic that I could have ever imagined. And I'm incredibly indebted and thankful to you for that. We are all thankful for Mike's existence. He is doing the good work. Um, he's encouraging men to learn about sex, to become better lovers, to address their insecurities, to be more vulnerable, um, to be more present in the intimate space, both in the bedroom and beyond. And if you want to champion Mike's work, I highly suggest that you follow him. He's on Instagram at Mike underscore Johnson. He also has this really cool project he's been teasing on there, which has to do with sex, love, and relationships. So again, please go over there to keep up to date with him. Uh, I also believe that he does one-to-one -one coaching. And again, he also has the podcast. So lots of reasons to go and check in and tap in with Mike Johnson. Speaking of tapping in, let's get back to the episode. And this is a guest who, again, as I mentioned, was already a guest in the podcast and somebody who I'm really enjoying developing a professional relationship with. I think in the realm of sex educators, it's very easy for it to become a woman and femme echo chamber. And there's not a lot of men, straight men in particular, who are active in this space. And Alex is someone who I struggled to find. And when I did find him, I adored our conversation. And now I'm gonna be hard pressed to let him go because I just think that he's so thoughtful and smart and thorough and gentle, which is why he's so good at what he does. And what uh, Alex does specifically is he works one-to-one -one coaching with men and specializes in working with men who have performance issues, be that erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation and performance anxiety, which is why he was a no-brainer, a natural fit for the third segment of this episode. While listening to Mike's story, what in particular came up for you? Yeah, I think like right away when someone says, you know, I only get performance anxiety with partners that I'm really interested in. For me, that's just like a fear of rejection. There's like a part of like, oh, I re there's a lot on the line. I really care about this person. So maybe there's a deeper insecurity inside of them that like, but maybe I'm not good enough for them. Oh, maybe it's, you know, they're the perfect person. They idealize them. They're so excited to meet them. And they're like, oh, wait, what if I'm not good enough for them? So there's a part of them that's worried about getting rejected. And the deeper piece of that is like, there's a part of them that they're rejecting of themselves. So for me, it's like an unresolved emotional thing that like there's a part of themselves that they haven't accepted because when you're in your full power as a man, you're excited to share your gifts, especially with 
someone you're really interested in. You know, if you really, really are in your true power and you're confident in your abilities, not just in the bedroom, but as a man, you have nothing to hide. You're like, hey, this is me. I am so confident in who I am as a man. I know that any woman would be happy to be with me and I could make any woman happy. Like, that's the energy you want to bring into a relationship. And if you don't have that, there's something inside of you that hasn't arrived there yet, right? There's something inside of you that there is a deeper insecurity um, for me that just hasn't been dealt with yet. Maybe there's an emotion that hasn't been cleared, uh, something that hasn't been, yeah, resolved and, and something that needs to kind of come out. When we spoke last time, Alex, you were telling me a little bit about your story. And correct me if I'm wrong, but male performance anxiety was a part of what drew you to your craft and your work right now, your own experiences with it. Yeah, absolutely. So what was that thing for you? What was that deeper insecurity that you had to address for yourself? Oh, for me, it was really simple. It was just penis size shame. You know, so for me growing up, I just thought, hey, you know, I don't have an eight inch plus penis like all the guys in porn and in all of the movies and TV shows where women talk about, hey, does he have a big penis? You know, this standard of what a big penis is, or at least what I thought a big penis was. And comparing myself to that was just like debilitating. You know, I was like, I don't have that. I feel like I have all these amazing other things to offer, but I know I don't have that. So I am less than, not good enough, not lovable because of that. And that'll never change. It's always so shocking to me when people talk about penis size so freely because it just feels like one of those things that you just never say out loud or admit no matter what. So I always applaud people. I think it's so fascinating because as a woman, it's not something I relate to because all of my body parts that are uh, measured on size are already on display. So I don't have to play the mm. surprise game. And I also, it's easy for me, so, me to compare myself to others because I can see like, if they've got big boobs, they have a big butt. So I think with penis, men always get to kind of go underneath this cloak of ambiguity or uncertainty. So to hear somebody just own it and be like, nah, like I don't have a porn size dick. And that was something that I was aware of really young and something that bothered me. Um, and how did you overcome that? Yeah, it's funny. My penis size hasn't changed, but now my <laughs> sexual experiences are, you know, a hundred times better when I realized like, wait, you know, my penis is more than just a size or, you know, it's this amazing tool that can give me so much pleasure. It can give so much pleasure to my partner. And as soon as I changed my mindset and started accepting and loving my penis, it started to perform a hundred times better and 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 I started to feel so much better and more confident in myself. It's capable of giving us so much and I was always kind of talking down to my penis, right? Like it's just not good enough, it's not big enough. And once I shifted that to it is, it's amazing the way it is and I'm so happy and grateful for the penis that I have and that's when my experience really changed. What's interesting about listening to you speak is that when I was talking with Mike and he was sharing his experiences, he obviously used the term male performance anxiety quite a bit. And I never thought about, well, what about your performance are you anxious about? 
it seemed like an acceptable, reasonable explanation for why you might get that is because you like someone so much, not necessarily because you don't like something about yourself enough. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to see that until someone tells you and then you go, oh, whoa, yeah. You know, and when we start accepting ourselves and start accepting our humanness, that's when we can actually just be ourselves. You know, it's when you're so afraid that it might happen that you're going to perpetuate it. It sounded like with him, he was like, when I really like a woman, I have performance anxiety for two and a half months. Is that how long it takes to feel safe in a relationship that she's not going to leave him? You know, that she's fully accepting him and that he's, you know, worthy of her and her love. I've started to think about self-love in a really different way of late because I used to think of it as the self-generated internal battery. Like you have to power it yourself. You have to collect the energy to perform self-love. But then I started, you know, reading about reciprocal determinism in that we're not just these mangroves who exist off in our own private islands. Like we interact with other people. And so a big part of self-love is being around people who love you and who affirm you. A big part of feeling confident is being around people who acknowledge and amplify the things about yourself that you're proud of and also things maybe that you're not that proud of to tell you that you're still accepted, you're still loved. So is there a 50-50 component when it comes to treating male performance anxiety because of that? There is the piece, of course, that you went through, which is self-love, self-acceptance. But is it also about being with a partner who goes out of their way to actively affirm you? Yeah, I think like you have to own that part of you that like you choose who you're going to be around. So if you if you choose partners who put you down or don't make you feel good, like, yeah, you're perpetuating this problem. So if you can seek out people who lift you up and are encouraging and, and loving and fun to be around and you know, fill you with confidence, then of course that's going to help you. Well, in your case in particular, because the only person who's around who's has, has a case that we can talk about, did you start actively choosing partners who would say amazing things about your body, who would compliment you, who would m- help you to overcome some of the insecurities you were facing that was causing the performance anxiety? I can tell you that even now, where I'm so confident in myself and I feel amazing and and I can say I don't have performance anxiety, if I find myself with a woman who has kind of like a more masculine, like taking energy, like give me that, you know, I want this and is like grabbing at me. For me, there's no way I'm going to be able to get an erection if that's the kind of energy that I'm around. That's not actually performance anxiety. I don't want to be objectified. I don't want to just be like a tool. I want it to be emotional as well. And I I want to feel something too. Those are moments also where if I try to then have sex with them, when I know it's out of integrity with myself, I'm unable to perform. If you do fall on the spectrum of ED, there is a list of options that you can undertake lifestyle changes or medical interventions in order to change that. If it is not physical and it is male performance anxiety, what's a similar checklist of things that you can do to troubleshoot? I think it becomes clear, right? It's like 
hey, I, I'm a man, I have desires, I'm healthy, like, it must be, okay, I'm in my head all the time when it comes to sex, you know? When I think about uh, Mike's story, he said he's hanging out with his partner, and then it comes 5 o'clock, and he's thinking, oh, no, like, we might start getting physical now. If you have those thoughts, that's performance anxiety. If you feel like you are constantly overthinking and thinking about what's going to happen or are nervous and experience fear before or during sex, it's performance anxiety. And a big part of that, it sounds like, is asking yourself some tough questions about how you truly feel about yourself. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of men come to me and they say, I just want to fix this problem. You know, I'm ejaculating too quickly. That's my problem. That's what I'm here for. Help me fix it. And then all of a sudden, you know, then they start working with me and they realize, wow, I have to say this. I've been holding on to this thing that I want to say to my mother for 20 years. And this is what I mean when it's like stepping into your power. There's a lot of stuff underneath the hood. And, you know, there, a lot of times it's this kind of emotional clearing work that all of a sudden realize, oh my God, you know, I've been feeling unworthy because I haven't been speaking my truth. And then all of a sudden they get empowered by that and they start to build their confidence a little bit more. And then they're not afraid to tackle the next thing. And then they start to believe that they can do it. And then it just keeps going and going until they're in their true power. One of my most popular episodes on Lovers and Friends was about the truth about male vulnerability. And there was two male guests who were basically saying, we live in a world that tells men open up, open up, share, 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 but then turns around and weaponizes men's vulnerabilities against them or makes fun of them for it or waits for the perfect moment to throw it back in their face. And so like, you can't tell men to be more vulnerable in a society that is not trained to understand and totally embrace male vulnerability. And it sounds like a lot of male performance anxiety is hinged on a man being able to be vulnerable and open up and say, hey, this is what's going wrong and this is what's going on. And here's what I need from you in order for this situation to be not necessarily just better, but to be comfortable. Something I say regularly in my program is like, if you feel the fear of like, oh, I shouldn't say this. What are they going to think of me? That means more than ever that you need to say it. That's like, I want men to be moving towards the fear and being like, F it. This is who I am. This is the truth. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I'm worried you're going to leave me if I tell you this. Like every little bit of the experience, share it. That is so much stronger, so much more courageous than suppressing it. Is there also a little bit of a vicious cycle that happens then? Because you're asking men who don't feel confident to say the thing aloud that could be used against them to make them feel like even less. If it's used against them, that's not the type of person I would want myself or other men to, to be engaging with. Right? If you're giving someone, you're sharing a deep part of you and someone's weaponizing that against you, that's not one of your people. That's someone that you need to consider, you know, leaving behind and setting a boundary with because 
again, we talked about someone who's going to support you. And, and, and in those moments when I'm being vulnerable, I want someone to say, you can share this with me anytime, anywhere, you know, and, and not someone that's going to be like, ooh, good, this is ammunition for later. Like, that is a horrible, horrible idea um, to be in a relationship with someone who could be doing something like that. What is not being said that needs to be said about this topic? I think it's, it's hard for women to understand how much pressure men have on them to perform. So I would love to offer the perspective that, you know, this is something that is really challenging for men, that we have this expectation that we're supposed to just be amazing in bed, even though we have no idea what we're doing. Would you say that in the moment when it happens and you know that the person probably should get erect and is not, what is the perfect thing to say? There's nothing to say. Just stop. You know, it's like, don't try and force that moment. Just disengage. Start cuddling. Start hugging. It's usually because, you know, in, in my experience, that maybe it's moving too fast. And it's like, hey, you just went straight down there. There was no buildup. There was no chance for me to be teased or get aroused. And then all of a sudden, what ends up happening is actually maybe what they wanted was more kissing and more intimacy. So then if you just stop, slow down, and let whatever is going to happen naturally, then it's much more likely to, to occur where, you know, oh, yeah, now I'm getting an erection because it doesn't feel like I'm supposed to get one. I'm just actually letting myself get one and allowing it to happen. Um, so I would love... To also share the perspective that, you know, when a, when a man is dealing with performance anxiety, it can be really, really challenging. It's not just this little thing that happened one night. It's like, it could be something that they're ruminating over all day, every day. And it can cause, like, serious depression. So, you know, making a little comment here and there is really not okay. You know, it, it's really important to have that support from a partner um, to, to help your partner know that, hey, there is no pressure to perform. You know, that the most important part is that I just want to spend time with you and be intimate with you. I don't care if it's hard or soft or, you know, um, being able to remove that pressure in the bedroom is just so helpful for men. And, you know, when you asked, have I ever had partners who, you know, give me a certain sort of comfort? I can tell you right now from personally my experience, when a woman tells me that they love my penis, it changes everything. Really, it's like the simplest thing ever. Just tell me that you love my penis and all of my fears are gone but try to mean it too. <laughs> Superiorlovers.com. That is where you can go to engage more with Alex's work. And I strongly encourage anyone who identifies with any of the messages that he has shared in this podcast to reach out. I believe he has a free consultation service. I definitely know that he has some free classes or um, work that he does put out there. So for that reason alone, 
but from a one-to-one perspective, I can tell you how much value I've gained from just sitting and talking with him. And I truly believe that no matter where you're at on your sexual journey, that might also happen for you. So go and engage with Alex. And if you want a more voyeuristic approach, you don't have to reach out for a consultation. Again, you can go and look at his free work, which is also included on his Instagram, which is at alex.grendy. All of the information on him will be in the show notes. And hopefully, like I said, he'll be back again uh, because I do enjoy our time together. And speaking of time, that's our time on the show before, actually, before we end this podcast, I want to state that there's a couple of episodes that I think need to come from this episode. First is probably the one that you're already thinking. We need a follow-up to the male vulnerability episode. One of the most popular lovers and friends episodes to date caused so much interesting conversation. At the end of that episode, I said, with that in mind, I can acknowledge why the advice that I gave years ago was the wrong advice in that indiscernibly, not indiscernibly, but sort of rule of thumb is be more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I can see why the world that we live now, the rule of thumb might be keep your cards close to your chest. And now in light of what Alex said, I think that there is a different approach and vantage that we can take. So I think we need a part two to that. I also think we need to have an episode that talks about penis size. That is such a pun intended untouched topic that I want an hour to really dive into one for my love of penises and two for my love of people who interact with penises. I think a lot of stress and necessary dialogue um, can be lifted if we just strip down and get really to the point on that topic, which is often skirted around. Lots of puns, lots of fun. Uh, There was a third topic that I really wanted to come from this episode, but I can't remember it right now. But if you had one that you thought of while you were listening, can I tell you an incredible place to communicate with me? That would be in the rate and review section on your place that you get the podcast, specifically Apple or Spotify. The reason right now that I'm talking dodgy is because I'm trying to pull up the rates and reviews so that I can read some of the new ones. Yes, I did it. 112 Starla says, such unique topics and thoughtful conversations. Thank you for your hard work. Thank you for seeing my hard work. I appreciate that. Um, Panthro says, stop teaching and learn. And then they go on to say, I learned so much. Tifa says, love it here. Honestly, one of the few podcasts I listen to and I love the diverse topics and I feel the host is so authentic, so raw and honest and I'm here for it. I'm here for you. I'm here for anybody who takes the time to listen, whether or not you rate a review. That's the real secret. I'm going to love you regardless. Just an extra little bonus cherry on top. Um, Shout out to you for being here and doing the work with me and let's keep working. And I'll... See you next week. I'll talk to you next week. See your talk because now we got video too. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. It's a brand new channel that I created just for this podcast by popular demand. And I want that to be a true statement. So we need it to be a popular channel. So one more ask, please go to the YouTube and subscribe so you can also see the episode streaming there. All right, now I'm totally done. Bye. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, lovers and friends. I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I said